0: So if you have your Bible this morning, I'm going to ask you to turn to the book of John chapter four, and we're going to begin reading with the 19th verse. So John chapter four, verse 19. While you are turning there, I will say just real quick, Brother Dean, if the Lord allows, is going to be ministering for us next Sunday and then uh, the weeks following after that if the Lord continues to put it upon my heart, we're going to continue with a series called Misconceptions. So Brother Dean will be speaking for us next Sunday, and then we're going to be continuing with this sermon series. So John chapter 4, verse number 19, we're reading, of course, about the woman at the well. And the Bible says in that 19th verse, the woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour comes the hour comes when ye shall neither in this mount nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jew. And then he says in verse 13, "But the hour come to verse 23, The hour comes and now is. When the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit. And in truth, for God seeks such to worship him. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And the woman said unto him, I know that when Messiah comes, which is called Christ, when he is come, he will tell us all of these things. And Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And I'm going to stop reading right there this morning. Ask that you bow your heads and let's pray together, all right? Father, we are grateful this morning for the opportunity that you have granted to us to be in the house of God. Thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit that we have sensed as we have worshiped and as we have praised. We come, Lord, to the reading of your word and to the ministry of your word, and I pray that you will enable us to be effective in delivering what you have laid upon our heart. Of my own self, I can do nothing, but if you will anoint me, Lord, and bless me and cause me to be effective and cause me to be an able minister of the word, let your anointing have free reign in my life. Put your words in my mind, your words in my mouth, and your thoughts in my heart. Let Jesus be glorified and let the people of God be edified. And we will thank you for it and praise you for it in the name of Jesus. And everyone in agreement said amen. Amen. So as you can see, I want to title my message this morning, Misconceptions, Part 2, Worship. Misconceptions, Worship. As we begin this morning, we're going to kind of take up where we left off last Sunday morning. If you were with us in service, then you will know that we started a series of messages that we titled Misconceptions, and last Sunday we dealt with some of the misconceptions that surround the church, the church that Jesus said, I will build in the gates of hell, will not prevail against it. We dealt with some of the misconceptions that people have concerning the church itself, about what the church is and what the church is not. In that message, I shared with you five prominent misconceptions that some people have developed as it relates to the church. If you were not here for that message, I encourage you to go to our website and you can find the audio there. But for those of you that were not there, let me just give you a quick, brief overview of those five misconceptions about the church. Misconception number one the church is a building. There are those that have a misconception that the church is a place or a location. The church is not a place, it's not a location. We are the church, we are the body of Christ. Misconception number two the church is an organization. The church is not just an organization. Some people have the idea that the church is like the Kiwanis Club or the Rotary Club. The church is not just another club. The church is a living organism. We are a cell of the body of Christ, we are a living entity in Him. Misconception number three the church exists to serve me, amen. There are those that have the idea that the church is there to serve their needs. We should ask not what the church can do for us, but what we can do for the church. The church is not here to just serve our needs, but the, the church exists, amen, so that we might have a place to come together and serve the body of Christ and to advance the kingdom of God. Number four, we talked about last week, the fourth misconception was that the church is for perfect people. We laid that one to rest real quick. The church is not for perfect people. The church is filled with broken, hurt people, imperfect people that are trying to serve a perfect God. Amen. misconception number five was that church is optional. That church is optional. Let me tell you this morning that church is not optional. Coming to this building may be optional. But if you are a part of the body of Christ, then that is not an optional thing. Amen. Amen. I want you to know. Amen. So we are part of the body. Then being part of the body of Christ is not an option. Can you say amen? So this morning, we're going to move from dealings with the church to misconceptions about worship. What is true worship as opposed to what is not worship? Amen. When it comes to worship, there are a lot of profound misconceptions. And misconceptions lead to factual error. Misconceptions lead to fallacy and inaccuracy. Misconceptions lead to incorrect or tainted or erroneous information or faulty understanding. I will give you an example by a little story that I read in an article a few days ago. This was said to have been a series of advertisements that ran in a local newspaper in our country. On Monday, the ad appeared in the paper and it said, The Reverend A.J. Jones has one color TV set for sale. Telephone 626-1313. After 7 p.m. and ask for Mrs. Donnelly who lives with him. Cheap. On Tuesday, the following ad appeared in the paper. We regret any embarrassment (laughs) caused to Reverend Jones by a topographical error in yesterday's paper. The ad should have read, The Reverend A.J. Jones has one color TV set for sale. Cheap. Telephone 626-1313. Ask for Mrs. Donnelly, who lives with him, after 7 p.m. On Wednesday, the following ad appeared in the paper. The Reverend A.J. Jones has informed us that he has received several annoying phone calls because of incorrect information in an ad in yesterday's paper. We regret any error, and the ad should have read, the Reverend A.J. Jones has one color TV set for sale cheap. Telephone 626-1313 after seven and ask for Mrs. Donnelly who loves with him. (laughs) Again, Thursday, this ad appeared in the paper. Please take notice that I, the Reverend A.J. Jones, do not have a colored television set for sale. I smashed it. Please do not call 626-1313 anymore. And no, I have not been carrying on with Mrs. Donnelly. She was, until yesterday, my housekeeper. On Friday, in the want ads, this appeared wanted. Housekeeper, please contact the Reverend A.J. Jones at 626-1313. So what I'm saying is that misinformation leads to misunderstanding and misinterpretation. And when it comes to worship, there is a great deal of uh, misconception or misunderstanding. Our text clearly tells us that Jesus said that God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. In fact, Jesus makes that statement twice in this short setting of scripture. He says it in verse 23 and as well in verse 24 as he talks to the woman at the well. He says to her, but the hour is come and now is that when the true worshiper, so he's talking about true worship. When true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeks them that worship Him. So we need to understand that God is searching and God is seeking for those who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. So in my mind this morning, the question becomes, what is true worship and what does he mean by spirit and in truth? So I want to explore that this morning. Today, the word worship is everywhere. We hear about worship music, worship artists, and worship bands we hear about worship planners worship leaders worship retreats and even battles of the bands and and worship battles believe it or not if you looked on your smartphone don't do it now it'll hurt my feelings but if you looked on the smartphone you would find some worship emojis it's true Churches invite community members to come and worship with us. Believers have all kinds of debates about what style of worship they should have in the church. Amen, but true worship. Amen, what does Jesus mean when he says, amen, that he's looking for true worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth? What is he he referring to? What is he asking for? I've often said that sometimes the best way to determine what something is, is to determine what it is not. And so consider with me some of the misconceptions that continue to prevail about worship. Number one, are you ready? Not all worship leaders wear red flannel shirts and a really cool hat. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> and somebody said, but ours does. No, misconception number one. Misconception number one. The first misconception that people have concerning worship is that worship equals music. Worship equals music. No. The mindset becomes, quote-unquote, if we are going to worship, then there must be music because music equals worship. After all, when we come to church, the church service starts with, quote-unquote, worship music. We worship by singing, and then we have announcements. We receive the offering. We engage in prayer requests, and then we worship. The preacher preaches, and then we worship. And then we go home until we come back to worship again. And we begin to equate that worship equals music. You hear what I'm saying? So for some folks, worship has become synonymous with music. And we say things like, at our church, we have the worship first and then the preaching. We say things like, first we sang a hymn, and then we sang a praise and worship song. We say things like, I love the fast praise songs, but I love and cherish the slow worship tunes. Hello? And if we're not careful, we get caught up in the misconception that music equals worship. Understand this morning that music can facilitate worship, but music does not equal worship. Music can empower and assist and support worship, but music does not equal worship. If we worship, amen, amen, if worship were music, then all who are non-musical could never worship worship. How many of you, I mean, I've heard people say, I can't carry a tune in a bucket. They could never worship. Hello? If worship were music, worship is far more than music. I submit to you that worship actually predates music. The Bible said that Adam worshipped God in the garden, but music or musical instruments are not mentioned in the Bible until Genesis chapter 4, long after the garden. What are you saying? I'm saying that music has always been a part of God, but it did not become a revealed thing unto man until Genesis chapter 4. And what I'm getting at is that from a man's perspective, worship existed long before music came on the scene. Worship has nothing to do with style or volume or speed of the song. Worship amen, is not simply music or singing corporately together. Worship is not whether we are singing hymns or whether we are singing courses. Worship is not about a genre or a certain type of music. I have sat in churches in my lifetime and heard them sing and we Amen, had music and heard the songs and it was nothing more than a sing-along because there was no worship or no spirit of worship present with those people. You understand what I'm saying? We need to understand that worship is the spiritual act of our heart reaching out and reaching up to a loving God. Worship is the act of a heart filled with gratitude and thanksgiving for all that God has done for us and that all God has made available to us through His Son Jesus. Worship, amen, is the act of acknowledging God for who He is and for what He has done for us and made available to us. And we need to to realize that every part of a church service is an act of worship. Praying is worship. Reading the scripture is worship. Singing and confessing our heart's desire before God, that's worship. The act of being still and being silent and being reverent in the presence of God, that's worship. Amen, listening to a sermon, taking notes, amen, giving in the offering, baptism, communion, fellowship with one another. All of that is worship. Worship is not music. Worship, amen, music, amen, Our music is not worship. Music, amen, is only the means by which we express our worship. Music can give expression to our love and our affection unto God. Music can give expression to our worship and our reverence. Amen. Music can give demonstration, amen, to our adoration and our exaltation. It can enhance and enrich, but it is not worship in and of itself. True worship can only come from the expressed truth. Of God's word and not the sound of music. Amen. I worship because of who he is. I worship because of what he has done. I worship because, amen, his word reveals unto me who I am in Christ Jesus. I worship because I realize that my name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. I worship because he washed my sins away. I worship, amen, and I adore him and I honor him and I reverence him and I respect him because he picked me up out of a miry pit of clay and set my feet. On a solid rock And gave me the salvation of the Lord And gave me eternal life In Christ Jesus Amen. Worship comes Because of the revealed word Of the living God Misconception Worship equals music No Worship is every part of our service unto the Lord Number two Worship Misconception number two, worship like me or you're not worshiping. Hello? If you don't do it like I do it, you are doing it wrong. Pentecostals, you know, tend to look down at the Nazarenes who rarely lift their hand. Nazarenes look at the Pentecostals down their nose and go, them people are radical. (laughs) Everybody has an idea how it ought to be done. And if you don't do it like me, you're not doing it right. Hello? Some folks have the misconception that worship has to be done a certain way. Their attitude is something like this. I possess the definitive rules and the conclusive regulations for worship so if you don't do it this way then sorry Charlie you're doing it wrong their attitude is something like God cannot and will, be, will not be worshipped unless I approve they act as if they are the keepers of the quote unquote worship code so line up Baba. And they said all kind of rules and regulations. Here are a few. Worship is only legal if there is a piano involved. (laughs) Worship is only legal if you sing from the hymnal because the old songs are the songs that are anointed. So if it wasn't written in the 16th or 17th century, it can't be anointed of God. Basically, what they're saying is God doesn't anoint people today and they can't write anything that would glorify God, to which I say that is Oscar her theology. <laughs> that's baloney. <laughs> Worship is only legal if it's Southern gospel. If you sing off of the screen, flag, that's illegal. Worship is only legal if it's not too loud. Worship is only legal if it's sang by a choir. Worship is only legal if you don't show too much emotion. If you feel moved, wait a few moments, it'll pass. (laughs) And the truth is, here's the truth. Your worship doesn't have to look like my worship. My worship may not look like your worship. Hey, and I'm going to be honest with you. There have been times that I have, you know, I mean, I have danced before the Lord. There have been times when I have wept before the Lord. There have been times when I have lifted my hands. There have been times when I have fell to my knees. There have been times when I have expressed my gratitude unto God. You don't have to do it like that for it to be worship worship doesn't have to sound like my worship i mean i love the old hymns i love the new courses i like it all i mean you know we have you know i mean i mean hopefully we're over it by now but we have gone through a period when many churches were just totally split over what kind or what style of worship to have you know i mean if it didn't have a country beat it wasn't god hello You know, I I went into a church traveling as a minister, as an evangelist. I went into a church and I was sitting on the front seat waiting for the service to start. A gentleman in the church came up and sat down beside me and he said, I'd like to ask you a question. I said, sure. He said, what do you think about some of this new music in the house of God? And I said, I like it. That wasn't the answer he was looking for. Here's what I, he said, well, he said, you know, all of us older, but we don't like that. I said, can I ask you a question, sir? He said, sure. I said, who's gonna stand in your shoes when they put you six feet under the ground? Hello? I said, tonight when they're playing some of that newer music that some of you older folk don't like. I said, here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you to look around and just see some of the younger folks that are worshiping the Lord through that music. And I said, and I realized, listen, I said, I realized it ain't just about the younger folks, but we can coexist with each other. We can coexist with one another. Because music or worship is not about how we do it, but why we do it. Amen. Worship is about why we do it. So you don't have to worship like me to make it real, legit worship. Misconception number three, worship must happen in a certain place. The third misconception is people have that people think that worship can only take place in a certain area or a certain place. That's what this woman's problem was. She said in verse number 20, Our fathers worshiped in this mountain. And you, Jews, say that Jerusalem is where we ought to worship. So tell me, Jesus, where is the right place? In this mountain or in that mountain? Where are we supposed to worship? And this is what Jesus answered her. He said, the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will neither worship in that mountain or this mountain, but they will worship God who is a spirit. They will worship him in spirit and in truth. Anywhere they want to. Hmm. The hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Jesus was telling her that there was coming a time when worship would not be confined to a place or just one temple. But worshiping God Amen, would be Amen, legit no matter where we are. No matter when we decide that we want to worship the Lord. Our worship would be received and accepted by the Most High God. And the hour is coming, he says. And notice that Jesus gave her two rules for true worship. He says to her, rule number one, worship in spirit and in truth. Worship in spirit. So rule number one, we need to worship in spirit. What does it mean? It means that we worship from our heart and not our head. It means that we worship or that worship is a spiritual thing and not an intellectual or a cerebral thing amen we are worshiping God from our innermost being we are worshiping God from a spirit a heart that has been regenerated and reborn and made new like a new creation we uh, amen are worshiping God not in just our physical frame but we are making contact with God in our innermost being in our spirit man Jesus said they that worship the father must worship him in spirit. Spirit, the flesh can follow along but I want you to know if it's real genuine worship it's got to begin in the heart the second rule that he gives is it's got to be in truth It's got to be in truth, worship in spirit and in truth, in truth. What what does it mean? It means that we worship him in honesty and integrity and in sincerity in our motive. Amen. We worship him in authenticity. Jesus said in John chapter 17 and verse 17, he said, as he was praying, he said, Father, sanctify them through thy truth. And then he said, thy word is truth. Meaning that if we are going to worship God in truth, then we must worship God as we walk in agreement with his truth. Hello. Oh, I hope y'all caught that. We are to worship God. If we're going to worship him in truth, then we have to worship him as we walk in truth. As we walk in the truth of his word, because genuine truth, amen, keeps God's word. Genuine worship keeps the word of God. Again, Jesus said in John chapter 8 and verse 32, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. True worship begins with honesty, sincerity, and a genuine desire to walk in the truth of God's word that has the ability to make us free in Christ. To to worship properly, we must worship in spirit and in truth. Amen, that Jesus Christ is the Savior and that he is Lord of lords that he is king of kings uh, and we must walk in the truth uh, of the word of the living God Mm. misconception one worship equals music two worship like me or you're not worshiping three worship must happen in a certain place no none of those things are true none of those things are true so what does true worship look like I want to give you three things Amen. We need to understand that real worship is about ascribing to God worth and value. We need to understand that true worship is ascribing to God, allocating, conveying, or attributing value unto the Lord. The dictionary describes worship as the adoration, the devotion, and respect given to a deity or to regard with extravagant respect, honor, and devotion. Amen. So I like that word extravagant. And when I begin to think about, you know, how our worship is given unto the Lord, what is true worship? True worship is out of a genuine heart, filled with the presence of God. Amen. Worship in spirit and in truth. We are ascribing unto him an extravagant adoration and devotion when we worship god in spirit and in truth we are regarding him with extravagant honor when we worship in spirit and in truth uh, we are regarding him with extravagant uh, respect we are regarding him with extravagant devotion uh, we are regarding him with recognition and acknowledgement uh, he is worthy of our respect uh, he is worthy Worthy of our devotion. He is worthy this morning of our honor and our adoration. He is worthy of our awe and our reverence. The Bible said in, in Psalms 34 and verse 1, the psalmist said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Psalms 7 and 17 said, The praise of the Lord according to his righteousness and we will sing praises unto the name of the Most High God. Psalms 18 and 3, the psalmist said, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. Psalms 104 and verse 1 said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord, my God, Thou art great and Thou art clothed with honor and with majesty. Amen. We worship Him this morning. Amen. Not because uh, or just because of what he's done but because of who he is Uh, amen worship him in spirit and in truth worship him in honesty and integrity ascribing to him honor and respect true worship is about service understand that there are two greek words in the new testament that, that describe worship one is the, the word, and I'm not going to attempt to, you know, pronounce those Greek names for you. I just say big white elephant. But one of those words is the act of bowing down, giving honor and giving respect and giving praise, taking the hand and kissing the hand, if you will, honoring him. That's one of the words. The other, the other is akin. There are two different places in scripture where it shows up, but it is akin to service. So basically he's saying in the New Testament that worship is not just ascribing homage unto him, but when we minister to him and we minister to others, we are worshiping him. Worship is Worshiping God is not just limited to a great church service where the Holy Spirit touches our hearts and we are moved with emotion, but worship can be a daily choice to serve Him and represent Him in this earth. When we serve Him, think in terms of a waitress or a waiter. You are seated and they come around and they attend to your needs. They come around and they bring you your meal and they bring you the things that you have requested and they come around to check on you. That's the same kind of service that he's talking about. Amen. Worship worship means that we attend to the things of the Lord. We check in with him. We check on him. What would you you need? What would you have me do? We are serving him. When we serve him, understand what I'm saying is when we serve him in that capacity, that's worship. That's worship. Amen. Worship happens when I acknowledge that, amen, my righteousness and all of my security is in Jesus alone. Worship happens when I feel like I am overwhelmed with the struggles of life and I choose to be faithful unto his word. That's worship. Worship happens when I'm feeling aimless and uncertain about a certain situation or about a certain set of circumstances and I choose to trust uh, the unchanging hand of God. That's worship. That's true worship. Worship happens uh, when I choose to serve others uh, instead of myself. That's true worship. Hmm. Worship is service. Amen. When we worship him in spirit and in truth, we do so by honoring him with our service. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 out of the ESV. Paul said, I appeal unto you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual worship. When you present yourself a living, serving sacrifice unto God. That is your spiritual worship. Amen. Number three, true worship is about obedience. True worship is about obedience. Real worship is about obedience and submission. True worship is about surrender and relinquishing control to the Holy Spirit. True worship is about submitting our will to His will. True worship is about yielding our lives to His purpose. True worship is about taking up our cross and following him daily. True worship is, a, amen, a complete and absolute state of obedience. Do you remember when Abraham in Genesis chapter 22 was tested of God? You'll find the story in Genesis 22. The Bible said that God did test Abraham the King James says, Tempted Abraham, but hey amen. God doesn't tempt anybody. It's kind of a bad translation. It should be that God tested Abraham. God tested Abraham, and this is what God said to him Take your son, your only son whom you love, unto a place that I will show you, and offer him as a sacrifice unto me. Abraham got up. He got the wood together, got the knife, got Isaac, and they lit out for a certain place that God would show him. Three days later, he lifted up his eyes. He saw the mountain, Mount Moriah, afar off. God said, that's the place. And here's what Abraham said to the young men that followed him. You stay here, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship I and the lad will go yonder and worship. What he was saying is, I will go yonder and obey God. I will go yonder and I will do what God has asked me to do. I will go yonder and submit to the will of God. I will go yonder and obey the command that God has given me. What I'm saying this morning is that obedience equals worship. Amen. If God speaks to your heart and you are rebelling against that, then you are missing an opportunity for true worship to come out of your life. Hmm. Because true worship is yielding to his will. Saying yes to his purpose. True worship is an act of obedience. And when you are obedient to the Lord, that's worship. If the Lord speaks to you to speak a word to somebody and you obey, you have just worshiped the Lord. If God lays on your heart to minister to somebody and you mind or you obey the word of the Lord, that's worship. That's worshiping in spirit and in truth. Worship is not just a song. Worship is not just in a particular place. Worship doesn't have to look the same every single time. Worship is serving God, obeying God, and living a life that honors God. Amen. Worship is about obedience, Jesus said, of the Pharisees. And I'm going to hurry and close. Jesus said of the Pharisees, In Matthew chapter 15 and verse number 7, this is what Jesus said. He said, you hypocrites. Great way to start a conversation, right? (laughs) Talk about winning friends and influencing people. He said, you hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you? He said, these people draw nigh to me with their mouth and with their lips. But their heart is far from me. And then he said, In vain they worship me. In vain they worship me. In other words, their lack of obedience. Amen. They may go through all of the form and all of the ritual, but it's in vain because it's not true worship. True worship is obedient. To the word of God, to the plan of God, and to the will of God. Michael Smith wrote a song some years ago. We used to sing it long time ago. But it, the, the chorus says, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. He says, I'll bring you more than a song for a song in itself is not what you require. Amen. You search much deeper within than the way things appear. You're looking at my heart. And then it, he says, the core sings, I'm coming back to the heart of worship because it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Sometimes we have a tendency to make worship about ourselves. Hello? That's it in a nutshell. Sometimes, amen, that's that's it. Sometimes we make it about us, about where we are and who we are and what we need. And all of those things can be applied, but in the right, in the right frame. Worship is not about us. Worship is about Jesus. Worship is about Jesus. Have no misconception this morning. We are Amen. We are a people that worship in spirit and in truth. From our heart, walking in the truth as we see the light of God, walking in the truth of God's word, walking in truth, walking in obedience, walking in servitude, walking, amen, in all of those areas. All of those things are worship. Bow your heads. Bow your heads and we'll close. Amen. It's all about you, Jesus. True worship, worship in spirit and in truth. It's all about you, Lord. It's all about you. Let me just say this morning, if we have, if we have made a, an error in our life and we have made worship about music, if we have made worship about how someone else does it or how someone else doesn't do it, if we have made our worship about one thing or another, come back this morning and understand that true worship is the kind of worship that God seeks. Worship that is done in spirit and in truth, not just the lifting of the hand, not just saying amen at the proper place. No, true worship. Is about ascribing value and honor, respect and reverence unto God. True worship is about service. True worship is about obedience. That's the kind of service. That's the kind of worship that he says he is seeking. The kind that is done in spirit and in truth. Let's pray. Jesus, this morning I have delivered what you have placed on my heart. Help us to understand today. Help us to understand today that true worship is ascribing value to you. There is no one like you, oh God. You are high and you are lifted up. You are mighty. And you are great. You are one of a kind. You are priceless. You are worthy of all of our praise. Not just in word, but oh God, in our actions and in our deeds speak to us this morning if we have made worship about something else. If we had misconceptions about what worshiping in spirit and in truth was really all about, help us to realign ourselves with your word and with the understanding that you have delivered to us today. That Christ may be glorified and that our worship may be acceptable that it may be a sweet and s- smelling wonderful flavor and aroma in your nostrils. Speak to our lives today, I pray in Christ's name. Heads about, bowed, eyes are closed. How many of you here would be willing to say, Pastor Gary, I've made my worship about other things and I realize today I've, I've been wrong and I'm coming back to the heart of worship. Yes, God sees that hand. Yes, and yes, yes, hands being lifted. He wants you to know that he he is worthy of our praise, our glory, our honor. Stand to your feet. Come and sing that song. Sing with him.